Good morning. It's good to see you today. Um, if you were, you missed out if you weren't here earlier this morning, we showed up and there was no electricity, so we actually had early service in the in the chapel. Um, completely unexpected. It went right along with my title, uh, the unexpected. <laughs> but lo and behold, someone made a few phone calls, and we have power. Um, and and here we are. But today is our senior Sunday, and it is a day where we come to celebrate and honor our, our seniors who are, who are graduating from high school, and we are so excited for you and your families. Um, man, I'm, I'm so excited, you know. Something I never expected is that we have someone who is going to become a fighting bull weevil. Kyle Glover is going to, to college. He's going to be a fighting bull weevil. I never thought I would say that as a youth minister, but man, I have got to get a shirt. Uh, that is an awesome school mascot. I love you, Kyle. You know that. I wanted to talk about the unexpected. And, and for all of us, no matter who we are, even, even globally this last year, we've we faced the unexpected in the, the midst of this pandemic. Times of uncertainty, times a, that are unknown. And, and the truth is, if we really look at life, there are many more times, and, and seniors, I hate to tell you this, but there are many more times that, that you will face where, where you don't know what to expect where the, the future is, is unknown, but I'm here to tell you, and I want to tell all of us, if there is a group of people that should be able to face the unexpected, that can face uncertainty with hope, that can press on, that can persevere, doesn't mean it's always easy, doesn't mean there, there's not times where, where we're scratching our heads. It should be us, the body of Christ, people who have the gospel, people who have Jesus as our Lord and Savior to hold on to. We have that hope as an anchor in the unexpected of life. And if you look at, at, at the Bible, we see, Jesus, we see God using the unexpected in the Old Testament. We see, we see the unexpected play a pivotal role in the story that God is telling through Jesus. We see this with people like Joseph. We see this with people like Rahab, the prostitute. We see this in a, a shepherd boy, David who would be a man after God's own heart. God uses the unexpected, and we see in, in Zechariah 9.9, 9, we, we see the king that we serve, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He was, he was the unexpected king. He was the unexpected Messiah. No, he does not come to us riding on a stallion, but he is humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus comes in and he brings in this kingdom that is completely unexpected where there's this upside downness to it. And today we're going to be in, in, in Mark and uh, we're going to take a journey through Mark chapter 10. But before we get there, I just wanted to say that this book wrestles with a question of who is Jesus? What does it mean that he is the Messiah? And I want us as, as, as the believers here at Memorial to wrestle with that same question. Who is Jesus? What does it mean that he is the Messiah? What does it mean that he, he had to suffer, that he had to die, but that he overcame death? What does that mean for us? And we see at the very beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, we get a glimpse at the identity of Jesus. It says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And a little bit later, we see Jesus is baptized, and, and we see the Spirit descend upon him like a dove, and this voice com comes from heaven. It the, the voice of the Father, and it says, You are my Son, my beloved. With you I am well pleased. We see that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is deity. And so Jesus goes and He begins His ministry. He begins teaching. He begins healing. He begins 
he begins ministering to those around him, ushering in the kingdom of God. And, and for some reason, for some strange reason, he wants his identity to remain a secret. He often says, please don't go tell anyone who I am. And so the disciples and those and the, the stories that we read in, in the Gospels, they, they're wrestling and they're struggling with this. They, they don't understand what the kingdom was all about. They don't understand who, who Jesus was, that, that he was the Messiah. And in Mark chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, we see Jesus pose this question of, of who do you say I am to his disciples? And we see Peter respond with this beautiful confession. Perhaps he's beginning to see it. Perhaps he's beginning to understand. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. And Jesus, he tells, he tells them, don't tell anyone who I am. And we immediately see after this, we see Jesus say that he must suffer, that he's going to, to die, but he will rise again. And we see Peter who, who cannot take it. He cannot deal or come to grips with the fact that Jesus has got to suffer and die. And so now Jesus rebukes Peter because he does not understand. He is still working out what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah. So now... We're going to go to, to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to take a journey through this entire chapter. We're not going to read every verse, but I, but I want to invite you to come along as we explore who Jesus is. What does it mean that he is the Messiah? And so we, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're heading on this journey to Jerusalem, and Jesus knows what's waiting for him there. But I don't, I don't think his disciples, who the other people in the story... They're unaware of what's coming. Even though Jesus has told them that he must suffer, that he will die, they, they still, they, they don't get it. And we see in verses 2 through 12, we see the Pharisees come and they test Jesus. And, and Jesus, being the unexpected king and the Messiah that he is, he passes a test. And then in verses 13 through 16, we see people bringing their children to Jesus. And, and notice as these people are bringing their children to Jesus, the disciples become frustrated. They want nothing more than to protect Jesus from these, these children. They want them to, to stay away. And, and Jesus, he gets on to them and he says, no, no, no. The kingdom that I am bringing in is, is about welcoming these children. And not only that, I'm not only going to welcome them, I'm going to bless them. The kingdom of God does not belong to those who you might think. But it belongs to those who would become like children. And right after this, we, we see this encounter with Jesus and this rich young man. This is verses 17 through 22. And the young man, he asked Jesus what he must do to inherit the kingdom of, of God. And, and Jesus tells him, you must go sell your possessions, give to those in need, and come, follow me. Store your treasures in, in heaven. And this rich young man, he, he goes away sad. You see, this rich young man failed to become like a child and that he does not receive the kingdom like a child. He thinks that he can, he can in some way, shape, or form, he can earn his way. And because of this, he's unwilling to leave, he's unwilling to leave his wealth behind, the thing that holds him back. He failed to realize the greatest treasure in this life is not found in, in wealth or success 
It is found in Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him. Oh, the the beauty of of Jesus when He calls us to come follow Him, that we would even be allowed to follow in His footsteps, to do the things that He would do, to, to speak the words of God Himself. In the kingdom of God, treasure looks much different. Once again, we see this upside downness to the kingdom. Very different than the ways of the world that we live in. So Jesus uses this encounter with the rich young man to teach his disciples. This is verses 23 through 31. It, you see, Jesus' kingdom operates very differently. This rich young man was concerned about his status. He, was, he thought maybe his status in this world with his wealth would earn him great status in the kingdom of God. But that's not at all how it, op- how it functions. In verse 31 it says, But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Isn't it easy to get sucked into wanting to be the greatest, wanting to be first in the world that we live in? You see, the kingdom is not a kingdom of, of selfishness or not of pride, but it, it is where we abandon our pride and we learn to become selfless. We learn to set aside our own needs. Every accomplishment that we ever have, we set those aside. Why? Because we realize our value, our identity, it comes from none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is what matters. Remember, that is the greatest treasure. Who we are It's not about what we have done, but it is about what God has done through Christ Jesus, through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. So Jesus and His disciples, they continue on towards Jerusalem. This is verses 32 through 34, and it says, Jesus walked ahead and the disciples followed Him and they were amazed. And I I love this picture. You can see these disciples following the rabbi Jesus. And Jesus knows where this path is going to take, but the disciples do not. They're still wrestling with, what is he talking about? He's got to suffer and die. This doesn't make sense. What's going on? Maybe, just maybe, as they continue on, maybe they're starting to figure things out. But maybe not. So Jesus, what he has to do, he has to explain to them again that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die. He, he tells him he's going to be condemned, he's going to be mocked, they're going to spit on him, they're going to flog him, they're going to kill him. Jesus is going to give his last breath. But he's also going to rise. He's not going to stay dead. He will rise, and he, he says this. And so in response, you have James and John, and they, they hear Jesus, and And imagine, if you will, sharing that news with with people who you know who have been your disciples, your close friends. And James and John, what do they do? They want to ask if Jesus would do something special for them. They ask for the place of prominence. They ask for the places of power and authority. They want to sit at the right and the left hand of Jesus. See, James and John... They failed to understand the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. They failed to understand what it meant, when, what Jesus meant when he said that the kingdom belongs to those like children. Unless you become like a child, you will never inherit the kingdom. They failed to understand that there's a price to following Jesus. 
that the first will be last and the last will be first. They, they did not understand just how radical and how upside down this kingdom was that Jesus was bringing. And so Jesus, he's going to use this to, to do more teaching. And, and this is Mark chapter 10, verses 42. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. So here we have it, the, the rulers of these Gentiles. They want the places of power. They want the places of, of prominence. They want to have control, not because they care about other people. Why? But because they care about themselves. They are thinking about themselves and their own needs. If, if I can only maintain this power and control, then I will have what I need without any regard for anyone else. It doesn't matter who I step on. It doesn't matter who I tear down. I'm worried first and foremost about myself. And so Jesus, he looks at his disciples who wanted the, the, to sit at the right and the left hand. And he says some words that I think he would say to us today. But not so with you, not so among you. As disciples, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we are to live in a very different, a very radical way. Not a way where we seek power, not, not a way where we seek control. We don't seek the things of the world. Instead, instead, we are to live with others in mind. We live in a way that stands in, in stark contrast to the ways of the world. We, we have to realize in order to become great, if you want to be, truly become great in the kingdom of God, you become a servant. You become a servant willing to wash the feet of others. We arrive in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, and if you have your Bible, please, please mark this, underline it. We see, we see this unexpected king, this unexpected Messiah, Jesus, and he helps us understand why he came, the purpose that he came for says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus, he came not for his own sake, but he came for our sake. He came for the sake of others. He was willing to give everything in his entire life to shed his blood. Why? So that we might have. He was willing to give up his place with God in heaven and to join us in our suffering, to join us, to become like us. So that we could have. See, Jesus, he, he's not this mighty king that's going to overthrow Rome the way that people thought. Instead, he is a, a humble, loving servant. And as we close out Mark chapter 10, we see this encounter with, with Bartimaeus who cannot see. And he's screaming out for G, to Jesus for mercy. Have mercy on me, O son of David. And there's... These people are around him, and they want nothing more than, than to protect Jesus from Bartimaeus. They, they try to shush him. They try to get him to be quiet. You see, the, the crowd that's around Bartimaeus, they're not looking to the needs of Bartimaeus. They're looking at their own needs. They're looking for what they, what's best for them. But Jesus, who, who, is, who is not that way, who lives with, for, uh, with others in mind, 
he hears the call of Bartimaeus and he says, where is he? And he goes and he heals Bartimaeus, restoring his sight. And so in this story, you see perhaps the person who was blind, who could not see anything, now can see more, clear, more clearly than anyone else. Perhaps Bartimaeus understands more about who Jesus is and what, is it, what it means that he is the Messiah because Bartimaeus has experienced the healing hand of God. And so what is Bartimaeus' response? He says, I want to follow you. And so, so Bartimaeus follows Jesus as his response to the healing hand of God. Bartimaeus sees what, what perhaps others can't, that Jesus is worthy of following. And I'm here to tell you today, he still is. Jesus is still worthy and always will be of following. So in Mark 10, we see that there's this upside downness to the kingdom of God. And we see Jesus, our, our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, the one who suffered for us. We see he does something unexpected not by, by seeking power and, and glory for his name, but by becoming a servant. We see, we see him living with others in mind. And so as the story unfolds, we, we know what lies ahead. Jesus is going to die. He's going to suffer this horrific death on the cross. Why? Because he loves us. And we see the disciples continually and the other people in, in the, the Gospels, they're working out what does it mean? Who is this Jesus? What does it mean that he's the Messiah? What does it mean that he's, he's risen from the dead? So as we look at the entire New Testament, the story, the story that God is telling is the story of, of, of his saving love through the work of Jesus Christ. But this is a story that no one expected. This is a story unlike any other story that's ever been told of a king, of a great noble king who would be willing to go and join the people in their midst, to, to suffer with them, to live with them, to know what it's like to serve. You see, in the kingdom of God, the weak are made strong, the blind receive their sight. To become great, you have to be willing to, to give up the desire for greatness. You have to be willing to, to set aside your own place of prominence. Why? So you can serve others. You live with others in mind. This is a kingdom where love triumphs. Where being great means becoming like a child. Receiving the kingdom as, as a gift. Realizing that there's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. Absolutely nothing. So here we are this morning. And I want to give you permission to, to wrestle with this question. I want to give us, as a, as a body of Christ here at Memorial, permission to wrestle with the questions about who is Jesus. What does it mean that he's the Messiah? What does it mean that he's the Son of God? How does that, how does that change us? How does that impact us? What would it look like for us as the body of Christ here to, to truly become great what would it look like for us if, if we allowed the Holy Spirit to empower us, to, to enable us to take the posture of a servant, willing to, to suffer and to, to give our lives for the sake of others, so that, not so that we can have, but that others might have?
I also want us to consider the crowds, the crowd around the, ch- the children that were, you know, the disciples, they were trying to protect Jesus. The crowd around Bartimaeus, they didn't want Bartimaeus to get to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, our mission is to, to get as many people to Jesus as possible. If we see there's someone in need, we need to be doing whatever it takes, not to protect Jesus. He doesn't need our protection but to, to lead others to the feet of Jesus where they can be like Bartimaeus, where they can experience the healing, the saving hand of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and where they will be compelled to respond in no other way than to say, Jesus, you are worthy of following, and I will follow you, and I'm going to abandon everything else. My wealth, my riches, my status, my position, everything is going to be set aside so I can follow you. Committed 100%. Finally, I, I want us to consider this question as we see Bartimaeus following Jesus. I don't, I don't think he knew what was, uh, was going to happen in, in Jerusalem. Perhaps maybe he would have questioned if he was following Jesus. Just like the disciples are struggling to wrestle with this question. But I want us to consider where following Jesus will ultimately lead us. Yes, we we know that following Jesus will ultimately lead us to life, and we can have eternal life because of what God has done. And we praise God for that. But before we can experience this eternal life, before Jesus overcame death, he had to suffer. He had to die. He had to be completely humiliated completely ashamed. Leading Jesus is going to lead us into the unexpected places, places where we don't always feel comfortable, places where it's a struggle, places where we may give up, where we will give up everything for His name's sake. And I think we will find that if we are willing, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to die to ourselves in the same way that Jesus died for us, We will learn what it is to truly live as a member of the kingdom of God. With Jesus as king following in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior, where he is our greatest treasure. And we will be able to be a light in this world. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you in all times, especially in the, in the unexpected, when in the midst of a pandemic or whatever comes our way, continue to follow Jesus faithfully. Continue to follow him knowing that he is worthy, he is completely worthy to be followed. Before we close and, and we, we sing another song, I, I want to pray this prayer over you from Philippians 2. So if you would, please, please bow with me. Father, help us to have encouragement from being united with Christ. We thank you for the comfort that we can have from from his love. We thank you for the fellowship that the Spirit gives. Help us to be like-minded, God. Help us to have the same love. Help us to be one in spirit and purpose. Help us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, help us to consider others better than ourselves. 
Help us not only to look to the, our own interests, but God, help us to look beyond ourselves to the interests of others, God, to, to have the attitude and the mindset as that of Christ Jesus. God, help us not to live to where we'd want to be great in our own eyes, but help us to, to live, God, to become like children, where we would become great in the kingdom of heaven. Not on our own accord, but God, it's, it's because what you have done through Jesus Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection. God, I pray that through the unexpected and, and through all times, that you would help us stay strong, that you would help the body at Memorial, God, stay faithful to you, willing to follow you, God, even if it means dying a physical death. God, we thank you, we love you, and we praise your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.